0: about, isn't it? So I have prepared something you'll be encouraged to know. Uh, we're looking at the Holy Spirit, and uh, there's a couple of slides that are going to come up. just want to remind you of kind of where we got to last week with Mike. We're looking at this uh, course of discipleship, of being apprentices of the Jesus lifestyle. And this is what Mike said last week. I, I can't read that. My eyes are deteriorating. Uh, that we can unintentionally be, um, be shaped. That's right. What? My eye, oh, come on. (laughs) That's what the glasses are for. (laughs) Who can read that? (laughs) okay focus people so we can be unintentionally uh, shaped by the stories we believe by our environment by our habits by our relationship Uh, and so mike said last week that actually what we need move on to the next slide is we need some good teaching Uh, that's going to start next week Uh, we need the holy spirit in our lives Uh, some of you got the joke Uh, we need good practices and we need a good community Uh, so Tonight, looking at the Holy Spirit, being Pentecost, uh, the Holy Spirit became available for all believers for the very first time, uh, and I've got a few uh, verses that I want to just test your knowledge on, uh, so hopefully gonna, the first one's going to come up. I'm going to read the first half of the verse, and someone is going to tell me what the rest of it says. So, this is Jesus speaking, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have dot, dot, dot Yeah, so, been clothed with power from on high. Next one, Uh, so for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, I help you, the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk but of power, yes, you're going to get a theme in a second, next one, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that, come on, speak up, (laughs) <laughs> uh, what about it, though? Uh, people struggle with this this morning. That this all, all-sur- yeah, all surpassing power is from God and not from us. Last one, then. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of three things: power, <laughs> love, self-discipline. Yes, was something we hear this morning. Very good. Uh, So the Bible describes for us this Christian life, the the Jesus life, that was a life that was marked by power, Um, and it says that you and I are clothed with power on high. Do you feel like you're clothed with power from on high, or do you feel just normal? I don't see anything different when I look in the mirror. Paul, in, in, in his letters, he talks about this as well. He says, actually, when I, when I brought the message to you, I brought it with power so that you would know. And he says that the kingdom is not a matter of talk, but a matter of power as well. And so what we just kind of just did now as a community, the, the reason that we do that is because what we believe is, is more than just words, that actually God's power flows through us Into the lives of other people to affect change, to bring healing, to change circumstances, to bring his kingdom, whatever it is that he wants to do. And so, what I want to talk about tonight is that the reason that we are clothed with this power from on high is so that you and I can live lives that that delight the Father's heart and so that we can be effective channels of his power, uh, that it would flow easily through us to do the work that he wants us to do. It's that simple. There we go, we can all go home. Uh, Right, let's um, read. We're going to be looking at Galatians uh, from chapter 5 and verses uh, 16 this is, you'll know the passage as Paul talking about the fruits of the Spirit so uh, I'm going to read this through this passage and there's, there's a three places where Paul picks up on this idea of kind of living, walking, being led with the Spirit and I just want to give you an understanding of what the kind of original words were as we read it because I think that Paul, that there's a progression to this passage that comes out in numerous ways that I want to highlight so this is what Paul says, so I say live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature the word that Paul uses there for live literally means to kind of to, uh, to walk as in to just kind of in a meandering way or as in to prove that you can walk uh, Paul says if you can uh, walk with the spirit if you are someone who believes if you've invited Jesus to make his home in you, uh, then your nature has changed and you no longer have to satisfy or indulge the desires of your flesh that we constantly battle with. You don't have to do that. Paul carries on. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want But if you are led by the Spirit, this is Paul's second reference, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. Paul is, there's a a movement now from being people who just kind of walk in a general sense with the Spirit to actually having some direction in our spiritual lives uh, with with the Holy Spirit living in us. And Paul says that if we do that, that actually there is a move into freedom for us. Not being under law is about being free. uh, So that there's there's this this transformation that takes place place as we follow the Holy Spirit's lead. He leads us into freedom. Uh, Paul carries on, for the acts of the sinful nature are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we This is the third reference that Paul has. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Paul, the, the word that Paul uses for live there is different to the one in verse sixteen. here it means to be alive uh, so there is if you look through this passage, there is this progression from being people who just kind of almost just kind of wander with the spirit in, in any kind of sense and we kind of go through this period of wrestling with our our sinful nature of of its desires Uh, and Paul is saying that as, as you move on then there is fruit bearing that comes as you let the Holy Spirit lead you as you wrestle with this stuff he will bring fruit to bear in your life and it's not just you know a selection of this fruit it's not fruits it's fruit there's one fruit he brings it all to bear in your life uh, and then paul says that there's this kind of this next step of being in step with the holy spirit if you are alive if you're wrestling with your the things that you struggle with if you're bearing fruit in your life then you know you have life in the name of jesus and if you have that paul says there's something you've got to do you've got to get in step with the holy spirit if you get in step with the holy spirit something's going to change and what I want to say to you tonight is this is what this is all about is that I believe that when we're in step with the Holy Spirit this is where God's power that we are clothed with seems to flow just far more easily in circumstances to do what he wants to do and there is stuff that we can do to help make that possible. That's what I want to share with you tonight. Uh, I'd love to just kind of break down Paul's little list of the the sinful, the desires of the sinful nature. Um, because... What's quite interesting in there is that it splits quite easily into these four categories that I think Paul is kind of getting at, that these are areas that we struggle with and that actually as Christians, if we want to be people who serve God effectively, move in the power of the Spirit, uh, allow Him to move through us to bring His kingdom, then we've got to be wrestling with this stuff. We've got to actually get this stuff right in our life and at least be trying to get it right. So the first area that, that Paul talks about is... So he says, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. And those three, that would include lust, pornography, uh, sexual self-indulgence. Those three are all about intimacy. We are made for intimacy, you and I. Made for intimacy with God, made for intimacy with each other. But quite often, we confuse intimacy with sex that's what the world does. I think even as Christians, we still do that. People seem to think that having sexual intercourse being sexually intimate is intimacy, and it's really not. Sex is kind of the icing on a cake of, of a great intimate relationship, I believe, between a man and a woman that has happened under God and lasts for a lifetime. That is what I believe. That's where that should take place. Intimacy, you may have heard it defined as into-me-see, Into me you see, into me you see. Who sees into you? God sees into you, clearly. You know that, he's omniscient, he knows everything. There's nothing that you have done that he is not aware of when he came into you and made his home. And he is delighted to be there, even though you have done all that stuff. But actually, that doesn't mean that you have intimacy with the Father because you have to invite him. You have to be willing to say, actually, God, I want you. I want to open up my life. I want to share the depths of who I am and what I'm struggling with. I want to be honest about this stuff because how, how often do we try to hide the stuff that we struggle with from God as if he couldn't see it? We need intimacy, but more than just intimacy with him, with him we need intimacy with other people. Uh, if you are married, then you, need, you should have intimacy with your partner. Um, But we also need intimacy with other people. There should be other people in our life who know what we're about, what we struggle with, what we find hard, uh, what we're wrestling with, so that they can encourage us, support us, pray for us. We're made for intimacy, and we need to be careful that we don't misuse that. The second area, uh, Paul goes on to say, is idolatry and witchcraft, which I understand that as worship, basically. We're made to worship. We're made to worship one God who loves us. But we misuse that on a regular basis. We allow the stuff of this world to take a prominence in our life and dethrone God. And for me, a really good clue as to whether kind of the, how I'm using or in love with the things of this world, as to whether or not I'm getting that right, is am I finding my worth and my value and my significance in that stuff? Because if I am, then it's coming from the wrong place. And and many of us might have jobs that demand a huge amount of our time and bring, you know, Mike introduces me as a pilot, but that's not who I am. It's what I do, and it's a a big part of my life, but I am more than that, and that doesn't define me. Um, And... It's quite easy for for our jobs to become our identity. Uh, It's not that we worship them. So I'm just kind of saying that we need to get that kind of balance right, don't we? Of actually where is our worth and our identity and our purpose and our value really coming from? Because it should be coming from God and it should be being affirmed by each other and by how we use the stuff in this world and how we live. The third area that Paul goes on to uh, is to do with community. And it's, interestingly, the biggest list in here. Um, Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. You and I were made for community. We need each other. Some people don't think they do. They think that God alone is enough, but actually God himself said, no, that's not the case. Because when he looked at Adam, and Adam was perfect, and Adam had everything that he needed, God said, yeah, that's not good enough. He needs an Eve. He needs somebody else. And it's not that we just need someone of the opposite sex. We need each other. We need each other to affirm each other, to encourage each other, to build each other up, uh, to speak truth to each other. You can only love with truth. You can't love with untruth and lies. Uh, We need hugs. Uh, You know, there are sometimes people hug you and it's just slightly too long and they're hanging on and it's starting to get a bit awkward. So we need kind of hugs that are just the right amount. Uh, There's a lady, I'm trying to remember her name, I know it's uh, Norris, Kathleen Norris. And she did this study on what makes a a strong and stable marriage. And in it, she found that couples who hugged morning and night on a regular basis actually led to less marital breakdown. They had a stronger relationship. Which sounds crazy that this tiny little thing, I'm sure there was more stuff going on in their relationships, but it kind of goes to show that actually we need We need physical touch, we need intimacy, we need words of affirmation. That is good for us, as well as needing intimacy with God. So are you getting that stuff, and are you getting it from the right place? The last one then is the best one of all, drunkenness and orgies, I've never partaken in orgies. Um, I have partaken in drunkenness. Uh, I don't anymore, thankfully. Uh, but what actually Paul is getting at in this stuff is, is the loss of our self-control, the misuse of our self-control. It's not very often that you'll hear someone say that you were made for self-control. Does that all fill you with excitement and joy? It doesn't me. It doesn't, doesn't seem to fit, does it? That we were made for self-control. We really were. That you and I need to have self-control in our lives. When we throw that off, when we kind of just give in and surrender, I guess the big question is, if you're not in control, who or what is in control of your life? Because the, the only person who should be in control is you with the influence of the Holy Spirit within you. You are made to live a life of self-control. I've been reading this book um, lately it was given to me by Peter and Pam Lavelle it's called God in My Everything by Ken Shigematsu um, he's a, I think I got it right, he's a pastor in Canada, he found himself at a retreat centre uh, a, a monastery in, um, in Ireland, a Celtic monastery and I don't think he expected to go there but he found himself there and he discovered uh, that he learned a lot from this monastic lifestyle and the kind of the, the rule base almost that they have and he discovered that you can have this deep deeply prayerful life as well as a powerfully engaged life in the world, serving Jesus in your community. And he discovered that actually having simple rules in life ...are really powerful in helping us to live the Jesus life. And so I, off the back of this book, I've been seeking to make little changes. And he kind of suggests you don't, don't go and change everything at once. That's going to be disastrous. You're not strong enough to do it. Just make the little changes. What can you change in your routine? What can you uh, change in your habits? What can you put in place, the little stuff, so that God features more... ...so that you're more aware of his presence... ...so that you're more engaged with what's going on around you... So so that you're more kind of uh, soaked in the truth of his word and, and what he longs to do in our world. What, what are the small changes that you can make? Uh, for me... I you, mornings used to be amazing. I long for the mornings I once had where I'd get up and spend two hours a day with God. Now I wake up and I practically crawl down the stairs and turn the kettle on and fall onto a sofa because my job of staying up all night has just wrecked my mornings. I feel awful all the time from a, a sleep deprivation point of view. So actually my best time of day is no longer my mornings. So what is the best time of day that I can give to God? And so for me, that's actually lunchtime and it's hard. It's hard to change a habit of a lifetime and something that you've clung to, but we can change our habits. They say it takes about six weeks to break a habit and make a new one. You can do this. And that's what Paul says, is that if you are filled with the Spirit, that is your only qualification. You have everything that you need to live a life of self-control, to no longer indulge or satisfy the desires of your sinful nature. Is that encouraging? Is there stuff that you should be doing? Uh, if I got you to think about your life uh, and to say, what would my life look like um, if I had all the self-control I needed? What would it look like? What would, it, be, what would it, it not have in it that it currently has in it? What would it have in it that it doesn't have in it? How would that change your relationships? How would that change your relationship with God? And I guess more importantly for today, how would that change your awareness of what the Spirit is doing and the ability of His power to flow through you. Can I encourage you to go away and think about that this week? There are three things that Paul encourages us to uh, in this passage. One is to walk with the Spirit so that we don't desire, uh, satisfy the desires of the sinful nature. Two is to be led by the Spirit uh, and find freedom. And the third one is to get in step with the Spirit. If you to ask me, well, what is it to be led by the Spirit? I would point you to Jesus in Matthew and Luke, chapters four, verse one. It's just after Jesus has been baptized and the Spirit has descended upon him in something that looked like a dove, and the words say, "And the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness." And we know that in the wilderness, Jesus battled with temptation, the stuff that was probably most dangerous for him in his ministry. And it was all stuff that was actually about shortcuts to achieving what God wanted to achieve through the the, the difficulty of the cross. That was the temptations that Jesus faced. But Jesus also learned to fast. He learned to pray. He developed an intimacy with a father and a dependency on him that continued through the rest of his life. And we look at him withdrawing regularly from from the busyness, uh, to be with his Father. And if Jesus needed that, what do you think you being led by the Holy Spirit is going to look like? Is it going to look like you saying, actually, Joy, there's some stuff in your life that you need to, and I need to work on. Let's deal with that. Is it going to be him uh, bringing those, those difficulties and the stuff that you struggle with to the surface to force you to deal with it? Is it going to be you finding yourself maybe in a wilderness place, questioning, you know, where is, is God? Why is this life so hard? Is it because that's the Holy Spirit actually teaching you uh, that your, your discipleship is your responsibility, your spiritual growth is essential, and he will allow you to go through hard times so that you may grow, so that you may become a more effective channel of his power to do God's work on earth. Amen. If you want to know what the Holy Spirit's leading looks like, that's the place you're going to find it to start with. And he will lead you to other stuff. He will lead you into various ministries. He will equip you. He will lead you into circumstances where you can try that stuff out, where you can practice, where you can grow in faith. And he's going to do great stuff through you, and he's done great stuff through me. But if I look back now... What I look back on and I see is not what he's done through everybody else, but the massive learning curve that I was on as I went through that process, as he was teaching me and equipping me and training me. That's what being led by the Spirit is about. But Paul says that there is something else that we need to do. Once we've, we've got good at kind of keeping our temptations and our desires at bay, and we're, we're, we're being led by the Spirit and we're wrestling with this stuff, he says now you've got to get in step with the Spirit. What does that mean? Well, the best I can understand it is that when we get in step with the Holy Spirit, it's no longer about him leading us. It's like us being side by side, arm in arm, doing it together. His heart, my heart, after the same thing. His thoughts, my thoughts, after the same thing. He speaks and I'm like, yes and amen. That's what I want to do. And it's when we're in that situation, that's when God's power seems to flow more easily. That's why we did what we did tonight. Because when words of knowledge come, that's God saying, I want to do this it's so easy to pray into something when God has said, I want to do this. Because you know that his power is going to flow and that that is going to happen. It doesn't mean that it's not going to happen in other stuff. It's just that we need to push in sometimes a bit more. If God hasn't declared, this is what I want to do today, it doesn't mean that he's not going to do something else. It just means that we need to ask him and we need to be persistent. But when you're in step with the Spirit, stuff just seems to happen more easily. If I can give you examples of of years of, like missionaries, for example, on the missionary field, uh, there is this thing that the Holy Spirit just does stuff seemingly more easily and, and when I've done that in terms of youth work and holidays that I've run, I've had years where you know we desperately needed good weather for example and the forecast was pouring rain and I left site after that morning we prayed for it and, and I, I'd been off to do other stuff it had been pouring with rain uh, the whole time and when I got back I noticed that there was no rain falling over the site that we were on, that the sky this little bit of sky was clear and, and I, I spoke to the other leaders that were on the site and I said what's the weather been like and they said it's been sunny all day you're joking because everywhere around here is pouring with rain that's not possible there's no way that it could have been sunny here the whole time but it was And I've had moments where we were desperately in need of a lifeguard um, and and we didn't have one, so we prayed and then we walked into a bursar's office and the phone rang and it was a lifeguard saying do you need a lifeguard? I've got some time available tonight. And God just provided there and then. And and, and I've got so many little stories of of that happening and I'm not saying that this is me being amazing or anything but actually what what it's about is about doing what the Holy Spirit wants to do, listening to him getting in step with him and then his power just flows more easily there's no, nothing in it for us it's for his kingdom and it's for his glory i don't know about you but i don't want to see you lot walking around like batteries i would much rather see you around almost with your fingers in a plug and the power flowing through you i, I had this great um I, I was doing some research about when i was doing this talk and i had this great experiment planned uh, of, of there's a something that you can do a little bit of kit that you can construct where you can hold a fluorescent tube and pass electricity for your body and the the tube lights up but it started talking about wearing rubber soles and nobody touching you and standing on a plastic chair and being careful of high voltage and I probably thought that's a really bad (laughs) idea in church but actually a far better demonstration is what we did today is, is you guys going out and learning to get in step with the spirit and seeing what God does through you when you're open to him and when you move in this stuff. Is that a challenge that you fancy taking on? Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Time